You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Simpsonville teaching pastor, Jason Thompson. We're reading um, Ephesians 3 and... Just some powerful stuff going on. If you remember from the first two chapters, uh, Pastor Jeremy led us through those two chapters. And if you're paying attention, then you see that in the first chapter, there's talk about the God, the Father. Like there's a lot of Trinity things going in on, in this book of Ephesians. And now the word Trinity is not used in the Bible because it's something that was invented hundreds of years afterwards. But this idea of God existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, is all throughout the Bible. But it's really strong in Ephesians. So you see Ephesians 1, it's like God the Father and giving him all the honor for being the initiator and the creator of all things. But then chapter 2 talks about Christ, this beautiful mystery of the gospel and how Christ is the one that it's through Christ all these things are accomplished that the Father wants to accomplish. And in chapter 3, we start seeing the Spirit introduced and how the Spirit is the one that helps us accomplish all the things here on earth that Christ wants us to do for his Father. And so it's a beautiful thing. And Paul gets started in this chapter, and he's about to pray. One of the most powerful prayers in all of Scripture. I really, I really truly believe that. It's a beautiful prayer. But he gets started, and suddenly he stops and it's like, he, he can't let go of chapter two. He can't let go of this beautiful mystery of the gospel. And he's going to go back to talking about that. So this is, this is why the disjointed beginning of chapter three. So let's read it. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. See, just like this disconnect. He's like, I, I had to go back to talking about this. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written about briefly, written briefly. So Paul regularly got direct revelation from the Lord. I I would love to have that gift. That would be a cool one to have. And new insights, insights that he was supposed to put down into letters, much of what became part of the New Testament. But here he is, he's like, Now, I've written about this briefly already, but this, he gave me the grace to be the one to communicate this message by direct revelation. So what is is this mystery? What is this revelation? In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So see, introduction of the Spirit here. He's saying, this wasn't known in earlier generations. This was not understood. But now there are prophets being raised up and there are apostles being raised up that are communicating this incredible mystery. So what is it? This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Now today, you're going, well, yeah, we know we're included. Like, like this, is, this is common for us. Like we all know we're one under Christ and we're included. But this was mind-blowing for Jews. Like this made absolutely no sense to them. 
they were God's chosen people. They've been doing all the hard work. They've been getting them to this, this finish line. And they're like, wait, wait, wait. It's just now open for everybody? Like this was quite the mystery for them. And, you know, there's always been, for, since the beginning of the Israelite people, there's always been a lot of anti-Semitism. There's always been vicious attacks against the Jewish people. And some people are wondering, like, what is it about this people group that they are getting attacked all the time? And I want to bring some clarity to that. I believe that there are three reasons that will help explain why the Jewish people have been persecuted over and over again throughout generations. The first is Satan hates Israel. Satan hates the Jewish people because God chose them for this special purpose that is the lineage of the Messiah. They are the reason why Satan was defeated and sin and death were taken away from them. And so Satan has hated them all along because God has shown them special privilege and he has hated the fact that they got the job done. And so he continues to do this backlash against Israel and attack. There's also this other dynamic that's just real world dynamic that's Israel has always lived very differently because they were supposed to be holy and set apart. So they had a lot of laws and rules and traditions that made them very different from the people around them. The way they would wash their hands and the way they pre prepare meals. They weren't allowed to go into other people's buildings um, and they wouldn't sit down and eat with other people. They worship an entirely different way. They wouldn't let people, the outsiders come into their synagogues. They also um, had this day where they wouldn't do anything. They wouldn't work on the Sabbath. And so all of these traditions that they had and all of these rules and the law and the Torah that they followed made them very different from people and people don't like different. People want you to assimilate and not be different. And so they're looking at this people group that refuses to be like the culture and so they have animosity towards them. But there's one other aspect that brings about this anti-Semitism, and that is jealousy. They looked at the Jewish people over time and seen just incredible blessing. Like you look around at the top levels of industry and media and finance, and you see just a large portion of a way higher percentage than you would think would be appropriate for Jew Jewish people in, in those, those fields. All right, it's mind-boggling the numbers. I have, I have a crazy statistic for you right here, all right? Jewish people make up 0.2% of the world's population, 0.2. Now, if you take all of the Nobel, Peace Prize, Nobel Prize winners over time, chemistry, math, all those things, 22% of them have been Jewish people. How is that possible? That is statistically impossible. 0.2% of the population makes up only almost a quarter of all of the Nobel Prize winners because God has richly blessed his people. And he says from the very beginning in, in the Jewish people, and he, he says this to Abraham, he says it to Isaac, he says it to other people later, he says, I will bless those who bless Israel and I will curse those who curse you. He says it to him over and over again. And so I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed. And so I strongly encourage you to be praying for Israel. Pray for the hostages. Pray for their protection. Pray that God's will be done. 
Doesn't mean that Israel can't do no wrong, but what I, what I do know for sure is God's heart is for them. They are still his chosen people. He has promised and prophesied that they will be redeemed. He will come back and lead them himself. There will be a new Jerusalem, and I want to be on top. I want to be on that bandwagon, all right? And so the Jewish people, though, have got all this prophecy, all this history. They have lived this way, and suddenly, like, Paul is coming in and saying, now this is for everyone. And part of them is like, whoa, whoa, this was ours. And so this is a big reason why a lot of the Jewish people refused to accept the gospel because it made it less about them and it was for everyone. But I'm here to tell you the good news that the gospel is for everyone. It is the great unifier. So all these walls and boundaries that they thought they needed to build up between other people, those are all come down. Jesus said, break them down. Now, there is no difference between us. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, black or white, male or female, Arab or Jew. It does not matter. I, will, I can bring peace to any situation. And so there should be no animosity in our heart for any people group or any person in our community because we have the love of Christ inside of us, which is the great equalizer. And the gospel is for everyone, even the people we don't like. And so this is the mystery that Paul came to share. So in verse seven, he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me. I'm like, come on, on, Paul. (laughs) You're you're the least least of all the least of, of the followers of Christ. But that is what happens when you truly understand where you are standing in Christ. When you fully embrace the love of God, you feel so inadequate compared to what he has given you. And you realize that it is all about him. And so Jesus' whole thing, the first will be last and last will be first. Here is Paul, the greatest missionary that we have ever seen. But when he is so close to God and understands his love so much, he's like, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm the least of of all these people. And then he says, but to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this ministry, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. So we have the spirit, we have Christ, then it goes back to God the Father who has hidden it in God and who created all things. And now I want you to look at this verse, verse 10. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Say what? Like what is is going on there? And it's talking about that this gospel is gonna be spread to the heavenly realms. And I did some research on this and I started thinking about this, but this really stood out to me as as confusing. But what I think is going on here is he is saying, we're taking this through the gates of hell. Just when he go back to what he said to Peter, he says, Peter, I'm handing you the keys to this. 
on this rock, the church is going to stand. And he says, and the gates of hell will not be able to withstand against it. And I think that this is a bold proclamation saying we're taking the gospel even to the spiritual realm. We are shaking and rattling the, the very gates of hell right here. And, and understand that the angels, good angels and, and, and demons are not omniscient. They knew the Old Testament. They saw all the workings of what was going on, but they don't know God's heart. They don't know his mind. They didn't know what was happening. And now they're seeing this unfold. And now what Christ did on the cross is now being explained through revelation, through Paul and through the apostles and the prophets. And they're watching with attentive eyes and ears and going, whoa, this is for everyone. This is not just about the Jewish people. And that this is conquering sin and death. This is unifying everybody. And so hey, the demons are shaking in their boots going, our time is coming. We got to mess things up as much as we can until that happens. But they're scared because they're seeing that this is, this is a great unifier. So they're having to work overtime to start bringing dissension and obstacles in here. But I want to go back to one phrase that just has, you know, you read scripture and things stand out sometimes. They don't stand out other times, but for some reason, this phrase in, in verse 10 just kept standing out. And it's this, through the church. How is the gospel administered? How is the good news revealed? The good news is revealed through the church. Now, God could have done it different ways. He can do anything. But there is no plan B in his mind. His plan A, and the only way he plans on getting it done, is through the church in this age. And sometimes you hear people, pastors and different theologians, push this idea of sovereignty that somehow we're taken away from God's sovereignty if we include free will. Like somehow they're like, yeah, yeah, there's free will, but no, no. But anytime you actually talk about how there's free will and people are doing something for God's kingdom, they're quick to say God does everything. Like he is controlling everything. He's drawing, he's, he's, he's pushing it through. Like he, he's basically a puppet master and like everything is in complete control. So all good things, all bad things, like he's actually the initiator of all those things. He is in just complete control and it like bothers them to think that he's not in complete control of every situation in every way, shape or form. I believe that God's bigger than that. I believe his sovereignty is actually more impressive than that. God is in complete control while still allowing free will. Now wrap your mind around that. He allows people to make choices to choose him or reject him. He does not force his love. He allows people to make decisions, but he uses their mistakes. He uses their plans. He uses all those things for his glory, for the good of those who love him. He is such a big God that he can take all their free will and still use it and still win. To kind of give you an illustration of what this might look like, all right? Now, I don't, I don't know how many of you are soccer fans, all right? I'm a soccer fan. I grew up playing soccer. I am a huge Lionel Messi fan, all right? I think he's the greatest player that's ever lived, all right? That's the greatest player that God's ever created. You can disagree, but even if you know nothing about soccer, just know Messi the greatest. Think of the Messi, the greatest soccer player ever, all right? All right, so, all right, now imagine him playing with six-year-olds, 
all right? It's, it's, an, it's an under eight league, all right? Under eight league, Messi is playing with regular rec, YMCA under eight-year-old team, all right? Which is more impressive? Messi's going in circles all around them and scoring 50 goals, all right? Or is it him orchestrating, never scoring, never putting the ball in the goal a single time, but him passing, him defending, him doing little things here, him directing people, but every time he's laying it off for another little kid to go up and score. Which is more enjoyable to watch and which is more impressive? That's our God. He's always there. He's always behind. He's orchestrating things. He's administering. He's passing the ball. He's encouraging but he's not worried about scoring. He wants us to get the victory. He wants the church to take it to the other team. And so he's gonna do it through us. And he has given you free will to say yes or to say no. He has given you gifts and talents that the church needs. And it's up to you whether you say, I'm gonna play for this team or I'm not. I'm gonna use my gifts or I'm not. And if you choose not to, then there's gonna be less impact on the church. And so my challenge to you is step up. Use your gifts. It's not insignificant. It doesn't mean he'll just do it some other way. There is no other way. It's through the church. And the more people that are part of that church, and the church is not a building, as, as Pastor Jeremy is, is constantly telling us, the church is the people. And the more people you have using their gifts, the more impact. The fewer people using their gifts, the less impact. That's just the way it is. And so we do have a responsibility and what we do decide matters. He's always the one drawing us, but we have a decision to say yes or no to his unbelievably great plans. All right, let's keep reading though. Uh, verse 11 according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. So finally, Paul's gonna to get to his prayer. And before we get to this prayer, I got, I got a story for you. I'm gonna give you a little inside information. We get with together once a year as a, as a church staff, our elder team and that kind of stuff. Well, before it was, it was you know, leaders in the, on the staff and the elders together um, in years past and now elders retreat and, and we have staff retreat. But we get together, we get in a room, we circle up and we pray that the Lord leads us, that he gives us words of encouragement, that he gives us words for the next year. It's one of my favorite things that we do all year, to just sit there with godly men and women in a room and just ask God to show up and tell us stuff and to give us direction, give us guidance, like tell us what we should know. And without fail, without fail, he shows up and does incredible things through that time. Well, about five years ago, four or five years ago, I really can't remember exact year, um, we're in this circle and I'm praying that God will give me something to share. Like I wanna share and I, I, I want God to use me to share something significant for the church. And so I'm praying, I'm asking, and then he puts a verse on my mind. And I'm like, is that really from God? I, I couldn't think of any other verse. I tried to think of other verses, could not think of another verse. I felt very confident I was supposed to share this verse. But I also felt like I was supposed to just put the verse out there and not look it up. 
which really freaked me out. I'm like, I'm going like, I'm going to say, let's read this verse. We're going to turn there. It's going to be like, give my greetings to Eruditus or something like that. It is going to have no value to the church whatsoever. So I'm like, uh, I can't do this cold turn. I, I got I to gotta at least look it up and see if it has, has meaning. So I, I, I go to the verse. I'm looking it up. And as I'm reading the verse, Linda Humphrey, our, our preschool director, speaks up. Now, you have to understand, if you don't know Linda, sweet lady, godly lady, awesome lady, super shy, never talks in public settings like that, especially around pastors and elders. I just heard her start speaking and I'm like, Linda? I was like, like, there's just like, there's no way she's talking right now. Like, and then she proceeds to say, I I feel like the Lord put on my heart to tell this. And, And she proceeds to say almost word for word, the verse that I'm looking at. And I'm like, you idiot. I was like, you coward. I was like, God gave me something. He's like, oh, you won't do it? Fine, I'll give it to her. And he used the person that would be the least likely, least courageous person to do this, just to smack me in the face. And so I'm like, God, I'm sorry. I'm such a loser. Please give me something else to share with the church, please. And immediately, immediately, I have this passage we're about to read. The Ephesians 3, this passage right here comes to my mind. I don't, I don't have Ephesians memorized, all right? I don't, I don't, I'm not like that at all, all right? And so I don't know what it says. I kid you not, my first thought was, I gotta look that up. I, like, it's, immediately, I was like, what if it's, again, and again, the guy just rebuked me. I was like, no, no, I didn't even open my Bible. I was like, all right, I feel like we're supposed to read this passage. And Matt Humphrey had his Bible open. He says, I'll read it. And he starts reading this and he starts reading the first part that like came to my mind. And Pastor Jeremy says, I, I feel like the Lord is saying to read on. And this is, this is the passage that we read. And this passage became not just a, a theme for that retreat, but it became a theme for that year. And I, I would say it's still kind of the theme passage for our church. This is important to us. And I think this is what it's all about. So let's read what Paul's prayer. This is This prayer that Paul has for the church is is our church's prayer too. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. (laughs) Did you see the Trinity there? I pray that the Father would give you the strength that through his spirit, Christ will be revealed, will dwell in our hearts. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, we have our course on rooted. It's one of the most important things. It's the beginning of our discipleship process. We love that it has connected here to this passage. But what are we rooted to? We are rooted into God's love. And may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. How wide? As wide as the whole world. How long? Forever. How high? All the way to heaven. 
how deep will never get to the bottom. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. To be like Jesus, we have to understand the love of Jesus. It's the only way. It is the only way to be like Jesus. You can do all the ritualistic things. You can go to church every Sunday. You can read your Bible until the end of time. But all of those things are only beneficial if they're pointing you to the love of Jesus, if they're helping you understand the love of Jesus. We will never plumb the full depths of God's love. It's impossible. Which means we will never be exactly like Jesus on this side of life. But... If we want to be like Jesus, the only way to get there is to understand the love of Jesus. Now, I am all about practical application. I don't want to put something out there that's, that's hard to wrap our minds around and actually do something about. So I want to bring it to the concrete. How do you understand the love of Jesus? First of all, you've got to spend time with him. You've got to sit in his presence you got to listen, not just talk at him about everything you're concerned about. Yes, do that too, but spend some time listening. You've got to read his word. These, these beautiful words are here at your disposal to read and own and to just become part of you. But there are other ways too. I won't give you one. It's like a little cheat code. If you want to be, you kind of understand the love of Jesus, become a father or mother. First time that child is put in your arms, you're a different person. Selfishness melts away. It's no longer all about you. It breaks your heart, which allows it to expand. You're like, but Jason, I, I can't have kids. Foster, adopt, take someone who has a broken home, who's been mistreated, neglected, abused, and say, I love you. I'll be your father. I'll be your mother. I'll give you the life that God wants for you. And maybe that's not your calling. But I'm here to tell you it's still no excuse. Paul never had kids. But he was a spiritual father to many. His heart broke for other people. He spent hours praying for people that were his sons and daughters. Invest your life into somebody else. Not meeting with them once a month but your lives are intertwined, wrapped up together. So much so that when they're hurting, you hurt. When they're happy, you're happy. Which will mean that you will have to open your heart to being broken. But that is the only way for it to expand. And I have another way for you. 
The key, again, to having your heart expand is to have it broken. So go on a mission trip. Go see true third world poverty. I went over to Kenya and watched this rural community out there. No food, very little water, destitute, but in a little dirt floor church just praising Jesus. And it broke my heart. Go House of Hope mission trip. Go watch as prostitutes, our former prostitutes are making crafts and finding joy in a different life and learning about Jesus. Your heart will break. You don't have to go overseas. Go to a nursing home. Look at people at the end of their life that don't have people that are showing up to care for them, to love them, to visit with them. Go to a special needs community. Go work in a classroom, in a special needs classroom. See what it's like for those teachers and those parents. Work with those kids. That'll break your heart. Go to the wrong side of the tracks. See how the people are living. Get up close to poverty and people that are brokenness and your heart will break and it will expand and you'll start understanding the love of Jesus and why the gospel is for everyone. I'm saving the worst for last. If you're really serious about it, if you're really serious about being like Christ, then ask God to break your heart. That's a scary prayer to pray because you have no control over how he'll do it. He's broken my heart in many different ways. And people that know realize the only way that you can be more like Christ and the more, only way you can love people the way Christ loves people is to experience brokenness. So if you're bold enough, pray that prayer. Hold on tight to where he'll take you. But the only way that we can be the church that God has called us to be is that we're willing to break our hearts and love people the way Jesus loves people. I want to close with reading the last part of this because I, I love these last couple of verses. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. You have no idea what God can do with you. It so far surpasses what you think you're capable of. But if you give that heart to Jesus, you will see what he can do with it. And it will blow you away the impact that you can make. And it will be for the glory of the church and the glory of Christ Jesus. And it will extend for generations forever. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for this love. We will never understand this love. But we see you giving it all the time. It's so obvious. If it wasn't obvious, then the cross made it obvious.
that you loved us so much that you were willing to send your own son, your own son, who you care for more than anything in existence. And you allowed him to die because you love all of us so much. We can't understand that love. And I pray that there's anyone in this room that has never understood that love before, that this day, this morning, that their heart will break, that they will open up to the possibility that you do love them that much, that you died for them, and that you are giving them the free gift of salvation, that they can spend eternity with you, that they don't have to fear death, they don't have to worry about this life, that they can spend eternity with you in your presence. I pray that if that is, is people in this room that are right there at that cusp, that you will break their heart and that they will not leave here today before they talk to somebody and give their life to you and become a new creation in Christ. And for those of us that have done it long ago, but have gotten comfortable with where we're at and have stopped allowing you to crack our heart open for more of you to get in, I pray that you will Soften our heart, open it up to new possibilities that we will repent and surrender our whole life to you and use our gifts for the glory of the church and for the glory of Jesus Christ that our fathers in heaven will one day say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today, and you wanna give your life to Christ, please do not leave before you come and talk to someone on the prayer team or talk to one of the pastors on staff. Church, we love you, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.